Anita, how's your mental health? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> at all times. You know this. Yeah. How's the mental health of your children? Um, also a little bit tricky. Can I tell you my experience in trying to find therapists for myself and my kids, Mel? Yes, please. Okay. This is how it goes. You ask around your friends and your family for a referral for somebody who's nearby. You finally find somebody who sounds like they might work for your family. You give them a call and you find out that A, they're not accepting new patients or B, they have a huge wait list. So you start over again and you ask people if they know anybody who would be a good therapist and a good fit. Finally, you find one, you go and you meet with them and you figure out that you don't actually like them that much. But it's been so much work to find somebody who you can go to in your area that you're kind of stuck with them. Well, do you have any ideas for how to get around this? Um, I do, because guess what? I've actually had some therapists that I have found on my own, which involves what you're saying. Sometimes I remember one time I was like three hours in the bathtub on my phone looking through yeah. websites. I was such a prune at the end. But I have also had the experience with working with BetterHelp and it was like, I, I don't want to say too good to be true, but because it is true, but it's like amazing because I was matched with my therapist within 24 hours. And you didn't have to go through all of that other ridiculous process of trying to find somebody. And here's the cool thing too, is if that person didn't work out for you, you can just switch and say, and it's not like you're committing to another years long search for somebody who you're going to jive with. It's true. And I lucked out or maybe just BetterHelp is really good at matching people together because I never had to change my therapist. I loved her. Perfect fit for me. And I know that some of our friends have used BetterHelp and they've had to change therapists and boom, same day can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. <laughs> Get a new one. I love this idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code, trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get 10% off your first month and we totally recommend it. Yes. Get some therapy. That's <laughs> trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. Anita. What is up? I'll tell you what's up. My sister has COVID. That's what's up. No, we were supposed to record together with each other today. And Mel texted me this morning. It was like, uh, guess what? My sister has the COVID. Do you want to record remotely or do you want to get COVID? And I responded with yes. So I wasn't sure if she was coming. Yeah, if that meant I wanted COVID or if I wanted to record remotely. I chose remotely recording. So now we're waiting to see if Mel's going to get it, you guys. Yep. Pray for her soul. I'm currently awaiting test results. And I would just like to point out, not only was I in New York City, the mecca of COVID, driving across the country where I would have had a higher likelihood of getting it in all the different gas stations, right? Then... Louisiana, flying in an airport. Okay, never got COVID from any of those places, but I stay home self-isolating for most of the time in my home recording studio and I potentially get COVID. There's something that's very ironic and also darkly hilarious about this. I just would like to point that out. If you do get it, I will drop off some foodstuffs on your porch so that you will stay alive. Will you get me Gatorade Zero? Yes. What Thanks. flavor? I ran out all of them. Okay. Just zero. Thanks. Okay. You're welcome. And half and half. And half and half. 
Do you put that in your Gatorade? No, but I make okay, that good. in my cereal. My you put half cereal. and half in your cereal? It's so delicious. What in the world? It's so good. That sounds like something a farmer would do. Like a dairy farmer. I'm a dairy farmer. Um, Mel, you remember what? last week when I was like... The school district just decided to send my kids back to school, and they made a terrible decision. And then I was like, it's probably going to change. No joke. Like, right after we got done recording, I look at my email, and the school board is like, we're having another emergency meeting tomorrow night. And I was like, you are effing kidding me. And I actually said effing in my mind. Don't worry, mom. Wait, the word effing or? The word effing, not, not the real word. Because I don't want to upset anybody. Not the quackable word? Not the quack-worthy word. Um, So the school board got together. They had made this decision one week earlier. And they all sat on their little podiums. And they were like, you know, I'm not really comfortable with the decision that was made. And I was like, you're the one who made that decision one week ago. Don't act like somebody else made that decision. So it changed yet again. But I actually think they made a good decision, and I'm supporting it, and that is that the little kids go back to school four days a week, but the big kids, who are the ones who are spreading it to everybody, including their sisters, are not going back to school. So I just had to share that with you because really, like, right after we got done recording, that came through. It's so crazy. It's very 2020. Yeah. This is just building resiliency one day at a time. One day at a time resiliency slash insanity i think those go those are like a fine line between where you have to jump over into the next camp Mm, i agree well guys if i die it's gonna be fine don't worry about it anita (sighs) head up the podcast i don't even know how to do anything mel the only thing i know how to do is to clap at the beginning of episodes and (laughs) to talk to people (laughs) okay i will make a list on my computer and it says click here if Mel okay. is dead, click here and it will have instructions. Okay, good. And then we will have a worldwide search for a new co-host in your memory. Ooh. That would be fun. Who wants to replace me? Yeah. Speaking of which, can I please put forth my two favorite entries into the Hannah Lagasa unclassified widow naming contest i just made that up what that was of a widow that is not married to the spouse that's not a spouse yeah you know yes yes you know what we're talking about okay these are my two favorite entries and you guys need to let us know which one wins and which one comes in second place the first one is the signifa widow so like their significant other the significant widow Okay, that's entry number one. Entry number two is the unweddo. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, tell us what I you like think. Them both. I know they're both pretty good. Signifa widow is harder to spell, but un—I don't know unweddo. I don't know if it's as easily recognizable as to what we're talking about or not. So let us know, you guys, which one you think wins. We'll put up a poll on social media. Good thinking. Yep. You can vote. Okay. You know what else awesome. we haven't done, Anita? Do you remember our international contest <gasps> where you're going to play the oh, clarinet? Gosh. Yes. It's now time for you to record yourself playing because I might be dead. I was going to say, can we wait to see if you're alive or not before we do it? 
Well, I, I mean, even if I'm dead, everybody's going to remember that you still owe them that. So I'll haunt if you. If you die, can I play that at your funeral? Please. I am making this well known to everybody out there. I require bounce houses, dunk tanks, video games on large screen TVs at my funeral and all the food. But does it have to be keto food? No. All the, any kind of food that anybody wants. I want it to be a carnival. That's awesome. Um, Did you hear about the guy who died of eating too much licorice? Yeah. Somebody told us about that, right? Was it Karen? I had, not even joking, six people text me that day to ask me about my licorice consumption. <laughs> because that's been my my delicious treat of choice lately is licorice did it just get stuck in his digestive no. tract no 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 what if happened you eat, if you eat a ton of it it messes with your like potassium and then it can cause you to have like heart arrhythmias also i've been listening back to our episodes and i say like way too much for a 40 year old woman can i just say that i it's need to work you're on that. a white lady what is that true yeah i mean i know i'm a white lady but <laughs> Did you know that? I was pretty sure, but I wasn't 100% sure till I did the ancestry swab, and now I know. You know, if you learn how to edit, you can edit out more likes. Mel, you need to edit out my likes. You're going to have to do it when I die anyway, so. Okay, we'll do. So that really sucks that that guy died, and if he was married and he has a widow, I hope you find our show and that you will be a part of us, and we're yes. so sorry. So can somebody research that for us? Yeah. Find her. Bring us Sad. your widows. Bring us your widows. We That's like the Statue of Liberty, you know. Bring us your widows. I know. Your huddled masses yearning to be free. That's what I think of every time I say, bring me your poor widows. My goodness. The poor um, widow coil. The poor widow coil. You guys. We are so stoked about our Patreon. It's been so much fun already. We want to remind you guys of the tiers that we have. So, the widow friend for $5 a month. You get to be our friend, like Anita says. <laughs> you have to pay for our friendship. Otherwise, we don't even care about you. Not true. Oh, my gosh. But a little bit. It goes to our hosting and kind of just the nuts and bolts of the podcast. And then we've got the widow bestie for $10 a month. What else can you get for $10 a month, Anita? Um, one and a half bags of licorice. <laughs> okay, so you can either buy one and a half bags of licorice The or... family size, just to be clear. Okay, from Costco. Or you can support us and get a shout out on the podcast as well as contributing to the nuts and bolts. And then we've got... Da, 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 the Widow Wife. That's the best one. Obviously. It's $20 a month. Which basically means that you could either have $21 tacos from Del Taco or you could get a shout out on our podcast, exclusive access to behind the scenes footage, Q&A topics with us, and input to our episodes and our content. So do you really need that many tacos for $1? I mean, they're mostly lettuce and cheese anyway. Let's be honest. They are crunchy though. We would love for you to be a part of our Patreon. Our link is patreon.com slash WWDN. Awesome. And this week's patrons are... Rachel Barbosa. Diana Becker. 
Jenny Barrow, Christine Anderson, Gabe Lozano, Aaron Posick, Sylvia Shore, thanks mom, The Winehouse, aka Karen from Canada, Sarah Morris, and David Kelly. I'm Mel. I'm Anita, and we're just two young widows figuring out Widow. widow we do now. Mel, I am so excited about our next two episodes. I'm scared. Hardly stand it. You're scared? I'm excited, but I'm scared because it's like uncharted waters talking about it in public. Yes. Okay. Let's just explain. Whenever we have a guest on our podcast, we say to them, is there anything you would prefer not to discuss with us? And I would say, well, I'll, the the top answer is I would prefer not to talk about my in-laws because our relationship is weird at best. And not everybody says that, but a good portion of our guests have said that. So it is obviously on the minds of our listeners and young widows. So what I did about this is I said, Mel, we need to do an episode on in-laws. And she was like, yes. And she was scared. So I went to all of the widow groups that we are a part of. And I asked people, you guys, what do you, how do you deal with your in-laws? How have you found a workable situation to make everybody happy? And you know what the response was we got? What? Nothing. Everybody just said, following, I would like to know. I don't know, but if you figure it out, let me know. Or some people said, my in-laws are amazing. I don't know. I'm glad I don't have terrible in-laws. Yeah. I would that's not helpful. I would say it's like 65-35, maybe 70-30. 30% have great, amazing in-laws and there's no conflict. And 70% have some sort of distress. And the distress can be very mild. And then some people have like horror stories of their in-laws. Like legit crazy, I don't know how to deal with that. But... So then after this happened, I went back to the widow groups and I changed my question. And instead of saying, like, what have you guys done to solve your problems? I just asked, what do you wish your in-laws knew about you and your grief and how you're figuring life out? People wrote their answers and we took those answers and kind of tried to make them into a list that made sense. And we are going to read that to you today. Actually, we are not going to read it. I asked some of our widow compatriots and widower compatriots if they would read the answers. And just to be very clear, the people reading, this is not what they wrote in there. So if you hear your loved one's voice, this is not necessarily what they said. Um... We just wanted to have, we thought it would be fun to have other people's voices other than just our own on this episode. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm excited to hear our friends. I know. It is going to be fun. But let me just, let me just, before we get started, um, 
I just want to say this. So relationships with in-laws are tricky, even in the best of circumstances where you have two alive spouses, two alive people. Um, You take two families that have two different cultures, two different communication styles, two different ways of doing things, two different uh, priorities, and then you try and smash them together and meld them together to create a new family. And so there's always going to be a little bit of tension in that because you're trying to make two things that were different. You're trying to make a new thing out of those two things. So it's hard when your link to that family is gone because you've lost your buffer and you've lost the person who's the insider to that communication and that culture to kind of translate and to kind of be the one who you can send to straighten things out. So in-laws, even when your spouse is alive, it's it's a they're hard. I mean, I think there is a lot of conflict in marriages trying to figure out the in-laws situations. Agree, Melanie? I just called you Melanie. Ooh, weird. Weird. Don't do that again. Melanie Joanne. I <laughs> Nice. Yes, 100%. I actually watched a murder documentary last night where that was the situation. Things escalated so far that there were very dire consequences. Okay, well, don't go that far. Okay, well, I mean, my brain just goes there. I'm sorry. Okay, bye. Okay. Don't ask me things you <laughs> don't, don't want to know the answers to. <laughs> okay, we're not telling you to kill your in-laws, for sure. But it is a source of stress. I'm just saying it's totally normal to be stressed about your in-laws in general. And then when you lose that person who was from that family, I think the stress level goes up because... Just it does. And I have great in-laws. Does it mean that it's perfect? No. You know, I still have issues um, trying to find the best way to communicate and trying to fit in. I've had a long time to learn how to fit in with my in-laws. So um, a lot of the things I don't feel like I struggle with. But it's certainly not without any sort of tension or difficulty. So with that... Are you ready? Aye, aye, Captain. So to you guys that have helped us, you widowers and widows that submitted audio samples for us, thank you so much. We are really excited to use these and hear your voices. Hopefully it will make for a more interesting show. Okay, are we ready? Yeah, you're famous now. You're famous. God, people, I'm in the process of rebuilding myself. My old self and my life died when my husband died. Please support me as I try and work out what to keep from the old me and what I choose to get rid of. And don't expect the old me to come back after one or five or ten years. I'm new. I'm not ever going to be the same. Okay. What do you think about that, Anita? Um, Yeah, I've heard this from a lot of people, that there's just an expectation that people are going to bounce back and they're going to go back to their old self and um, at some point in time. And then when they don't, there's some frustration about that. That makes sense. Okay. Next. There were decisions we, and sometimes just I, had to make near the end of life treatment that were so difficult. We did our best. You were not privy to all that went into those decisions. Please, do not judge how we chose to deal with those terribly difficult decisions. This is so hard. Oh, it's so hard. Because hindsight is twenty twenty. Right. And so it's easy 
to sit in the now and look back and say, oh, you should have done this. You should have done that. You made the wrong choice. Things like that. But you don't know that when you're going through it. You're just doing the best you can, right? Next. Although we are grieving the same person, we are grieving a different loss. My kids and I lost a person involved in our day-to-day life. You may have known them longer, but we were a family unit. They were grown and gone and independent from your day-to-day, but not ours. You know, in the normal course of life, you raise your kids, they grow up, they get married. They leave you. Do you know what I'm saying? It doesn't mean you don't love them, but they have started their own new life. And so that is hard. But it it's true. It's our every single day. It's our everything. It's not just a phone call or having them available. It is your day-to-day, in and out, practical, everything has been disrupted. So, I don't know, we could say a lot more of the same things because we just keep talking about this, but this is this is a big one. It's different when you wake up and your person is gone in the bed next to you. It's the most real because it's your every single second of every day. And so this is a very touchy subject because, of course, of course we both lost somebody that we love. And, of course, the in-laws have known them their whole entire life because they created this person that's now dead but it's just so different i don't know i don't even have anything profound to say about it other than it just like sucks this just sucks and i think it's important for people just to acknowledge the biggest change in daily life is with the spouse a hundred percent not even a contest like unless your spouse is sleeping in your parents bed their parents bed like that's creepy whatever (laughs) Um, but it's not going to affect them in the same way or in the same acute ways. Next. If I do choose to date and remarry, it does not mean I did not and do not continue to love my spouse. I would love you to welcome the new chapter in my life, whatever it looks like, because I continue to live, even though my spouse does not. And I'm trying to live my life with as much happiness as I can, because I fully realize how precious life is. This is... I think another source of a lot of stress and that is everything can be good up until somebody starts to date again. And then there's all of this tension about how they grieved and if it was long enough and if it was good enough and what the relationship looks like going forward. And a lot of widows get a lot of judgment no matter what, even within widow groups. They do. And so that's just one of those Mm -hmm. things. It's like, you know what? Everybody's situation is different. Let's kind of leave them alone. But there's extra pressure when it's an in-law situation. And if you guys have kids together, even more, right? So there's just more. And I'm sure that there are fears of they're never going to see their grandkids again or whatever. Um, But this, we've heard stories all over the spectrum that that range from my in-laws welcomed my new spouse as part of the family and we see them when we take the kids over and everybody is cool and they treat treat us like family. Then we hear the nightmare stories where they basically disown the widow and the kids because of these things. So And there's a lot of in between, just like weird. Yeah. A lot of middle. Yeah, always is. I just think it's really important to reiterate that our lives go on and 
our spouse, of course, would not want us to just sit and get moldy. They want us <laughs> to be happy. And so whatever that looks like, it's not that we're betraying the memory of our spouse in however we choose to look for love. And if that happens, it's that saying, don't fossilize me in amber. You can't. Everybody on the planet at all times is changing. Unless you make a dinosaur out of me in a million years at Jurassic Park. And then you can. <laughs> exactly. Unless you actually are fossilized and in a museum, then fine. It's cool. Okay. So let's just allow people to change. Yeah. I know sometimes it's painful to see each other because it reminds us of our loss, but I still want to be thought of and included. Sometimes I'm not going to be able to, or I'll choose not to attend some activities, but I still want to be involved. I don't want to be discarded. This is so hard because when you've lost that link to them, it becomes easy for you to feel forgotten. And on the other hand, um, you can also feel obligated to go to everything or to do everything. So it's kind of finding that middle of the road. Please keep me informed. I want to be a part of your family. And of course, like there are some situations where maybe your relationship with your in-laws before your spouse died was terrible and you have no interest in being a part of their family. But this is for people who do have an interest in still being a part of your in-laws family. Because if you don't, then just, you know, don't. But Then you're probably glad they're not inviting you. Yeah. But I think for mo- the most part, people want to feel like they... It's like, Mel, when you said that um, when Scott died, you were like, so did I just lose my in-laws too? Like, did did that just die too? You know, and you don't want that to happen. I totally pictured myself having to go live in an apartment again and being single and just like regressing in life and being very confused immediately after Scott died. I was like, what? Because yeah, you have the shock of your spouse dying, but then you're also like, well, what do I do now? You have to, it's not selfish. Like you have to think of yourself. And of course we are only responsible for ourselves. And so it's valid to worry about yourself and to you're you're just experimenting. Widows are experimenting with trying to figure out the new them and find what works for them, find what triggers them, what doesn't trigger them. I really appreciate getting invited to things, but then not feeling pressured that I have to go just in case like I'm having a meltdown or something. So there was a, a show a while back, I think it was about a year ago, and I know that they honored Scott at it. I heard it actually through you, Anita, because you went went to the show it was at the theater where scott was had directed before and it's also the place we had his funeral well of course it's hard for me to go there sometimes for obvious reasons there's also a ghost light there with his name on it and so i'm like oh scott's haunting here but at certain times i'm not up to going emotionally and i know that scott's parents were in town this one weekend and they were going gonna go to this thing and i appreciated so much that they invited me to go And I also appreciated that when I told Scott's mom, I would love to go, I feel a little bit triggered still by going to this theater because it was just so hard. And so I'm so sorry that I won't be able to join you, but thank you so much for inviting me. I would love to if maybe, maybe at the next one or something. And she was so cool. And she even shared an experience after I said that where she was like, oh, I totally know how you feel. I have been working through some of the same things too. And there are certain places I'm not able to go yet because I'm just not okay and they're triggering. So if you can have an open conversation 
and the person can understand, it's really helpful. So that was a really positive experience in in my world. I love that she invited you, but then didn't have high expectations for you. I think that sometimes people will just not invite because they worry about the, the triggering or they worry about just the weirdness. And so it's better to invite and then not expect. Yeah. And I think at the beginning of widowhood, that's when you get invited the most. Mm-hmm. But that's when you are not okay the most. And yeah. so the invitations stop coming after a while. Because, I mean, I I totally get it. It's like, okay, you've invited somebody 10 times to something. And they decline every time. Or they don't write back because they're not okay. And so I really appreciate it when people still invite me. But I don't feel any pressure. Plus, beyond inviting to things, um, just keeping informed about events that are going on, maybe special things that have happened in the family, maybe if somebody's sick, you know, just feeling like you're still a part of that and that you haven't been, you know, kicked out of the club. Okay, we're going to go on to the next one. Follow through. If you plan or propose activities with my kids, follow through. They don't need more disappointment in their lives. So Mel, what are your thoughts on that one? Well, since I have 11 children, Anita, this is a big one in my life because I always have disappointed kids when people don't follow through. Yep. Just if you say that you're going to do something, just do it. It's so hard to have to explain to your kids disappointment. I mean, even not in in in-law land, you know, if you promise your kids something or if you say something's going to happen and then it doesn't happen, it's so hard to get their expectations off of that in everyday life. So don't make it harder by planning things and then canceling on them last minute. I think that one's pretty self-explanatory. If you plan a lot of things and you don't follow through, maybe you should just back off on planning so many things. Try one thing at a time and one thing that's doable. So scale it back a little bit so it's manageable. Yes. Okay, next one. It doesn't matter if we were married for five days or 50 years. We committed to make a life with each other. He chose me. You don't have to approve of that decision. But please honor his decision. Thank you. Ooh. This is tricky. This. That one's. This is tricky. But yeah, there are in-law relationships where maybe the in-laws weren't so excited to have you in their family. Um, I don't know what else to say about that one. I would suggest that for the in-laws, just try to be a nice person. (laughs) I think this also goes back to the idea that we were talking about with, you know, losing a spouse versus losing a child. You know, even if you've been married for just a little while, there's still a bond that is formed no matter how long you've been married for. It um, shows a commitment to each other that means that the spouse was the most important person in their life, even if it wasn't for very long. And I think that's very tricky. Mel, you I mean you can probably understand this a little bit since you weren't married for very long before Scott died. It's probably a little bit harder if you guys haven't been married for very long because there's still those feelings of newness to the relationship. But it doesn't matter how new it is because the commitment had been made. Sometimes we assume that unless we had a huge life insurance payout, we don't really need to know anything about investments or even finances. But guess what? A little knowledge of finances is critical for all of us. Maybe your partner was in charge of that stuff, and now you find yourself making all the decisions. 
Maybe you're mad about that. Maybe I am. Nicole from the He's Gone But the Money's Not podcast is here to help. She tackles financial literacy by telling the stories of women and widows and finance experts and shares the lessons they've learned as certified financial planners. Whether you know a lot and feel confident in your financial decisions or feel unsure about all of that stuff, there is more to learn. Listen and subscribe to the He's Gone But the Money's Not podcast on all podcast platforms. This ad was paid for by Rockhouse Financial, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Agreed. If you are on the trajectory to build a life together, just, I would say, try and view it in that light instead of, oh, well, it was just this much time. So it doesn't mean as much. Yeah. Next one. I'm responsible for the legacy of my spouse. For instance, headstones, memorials, social media accounts, fundraisers, and what to do with his possessions, etc. Please discuss this with me before changing these things. Oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. This is a sticky wicket. And I have heard from more than one person's stories about this happening. One million people. Very upsetting. Okay, I can think of at least three. I'm going to name names right now. Just kidding. And then Um, I'm going to post it and tag on Facebook. Yeah. This goes back to the idea that the spouse has the primary responsibility even if they've only been married for a very short period of time. And it is really hard when somebody does something without asking for your consent or your at least blessing. And for many of these things, it's something that you can't get back. Like memorializing a Facebook page before somebody was ready to do that. It's not like you can just change that and bring it back. It's done. So, and yeah, don't do that. Just be cautious. Let the spouse make those kind of decisions about when and how to do that. Agreed. Ugh. That's hard. I mean, how would you like it if someone went and they changed your headstone? Right. Or your spouse's. You know, think about it. If if you're, you know, maybe in the opposite fashion, if your husband died and that your kids came and changed your husband's headstone or added something to it or something like that, you might be a little miffed because that's not their role. And I can think of a lot of lesser consequential things where people would be upset. So imagine something that is of this big of a consequence. It's a big deal. Don't do it. Be cool. Be cool. Okay. If you offer generic help, please be prepared to follow up when requests are made. And please honor the type of help I feel I need. So what do you think this means, Anita? Do you think this is like some people offer help and then they come and they do opposite of what you're asking? Do you have a specific example of this? Yeah, I can think of a specific example. Okay, tell so, us. So um, right after Jason died, I actually had the idea to have like a family meeting. And I remember writing down all the my thoughts. And one of the thoughts was, please don't judge me for the help I think I need. So for instance, my sister-in-law comes over every week so I can go swimming, right? And maybe somebody might not think that that should be my priority to go swimming, to go lap swimming. And so maybe they would be like, no, I don't think that's what you should be doing. So that's not how I'm going to give you my help. But that's like what I've decided for myself will be helpful. So when I ask for that help, please give me that help. Don't say, well, I will, 
not do that because I don't find that to be useful or I don't think it will be helpful for you. Instead, I will come over and plant flowers. Well, that would be good too. So I don't know. Or could it be, Anita, could it be like, well, Anita, I will help you, but I'm not going to help you if your reason is to go swimming. I will help you if your reason is that you go to the store and you are only working on yes. like survival yes, that's a better. for your family. Cause, because swimming is could be termed as extracurricular, even though it's not. Like, you need it for your sanity and all that stuff. Yeah, but some people could judge that and be like, well, that's not really necessary. So I'm only going to give her the help that I think she needs as opposed to me saying, this is the help that I think I need. Just so you know, like, I'm going to tell you some more details about this. I, one of the first times I went out running, I had a very specific inspiration. And it was that I needed to gather my family together, my in-laws and my immediate family. And I needed to talk to them about what help looked like to me. And lay out what I wanted to see happen and how I wanted to see it happen. And I just wrote down all of my thoughts. And I actually called a neighbor who happens to be a social worker and asked him to help me, um, like, process my thoughts to make them really understandable. And so he came and he ran the family meeting. And then I talked about things like that. Um, Things that were on my list. I could probably find my list. But it was like, I'm still the mom. You know, I will need your help. But I'm the mom you know, and then it was things like, please don't judge me for the type of help I think I need, stuff like that. So how did you think that clearly at that time? I cannot even, I still can't think that clearly. Yeah. And I think it was helpful when it was still all fresh and raw because people were in the mode of like, what do we need to do? And I was like, this is what I want, or this is what I need. And this is not what, you know, this is what help does not look like is doing these things and help does look like this. So, and yay to my family and my in-laws for being receptive to that and saying like, okay, but at least it gave us clear direction on what I wanted and needed. So go Anita. Go. Anyway. Okay. Next. Hello. I want to have a relationship with you. I cannot chase you. I am in over my head trying to provide for my family, deal with the responsibilities of everyday life, care for my kids and their grief. Not to mention deal with my own grief. On my own. Please don't place the burden of communication entirely on my shoulders. But please do your part to reach out and check in on us. I super support this one. This is huge because it's so easy to feel like you have to maintain everybody's relationship. And if it's not up to you, then it won't exist. And that's so not okay because... Maybe in the beginning when you have some energy and you're kind of on adrenaline or whatever, but you're going to burn out. I did that. I was just like, I've got to communicate with everybody in Scott's life and check on them every day. And I was. It was like text fest all day long. And then, boom, it was really eye-opening to me to see which of those friendships or relationships were fueled only by me right? and which ones were mutual. So we as widows and widowers just don't have the energy to be responsible for that. The the less responsibility you can place on a widow, especially in the early days, the better. Because there's a lot they're dealing with. You even said not even in the early days as time goes on too. Because this is kind of how I see it. So your family is like a net. And there's all these links to make this giant net. Right? And the person that linked you to that net is gone. So now you're like this little link floating out in the ocean And does that little link need to have the responsibility to try and capture the net? Or should the net 
capture the little link. And I feel like the net has a much easier time capturing that one person than you do trying to communicate with all of the people in that net and trying to keep that all alive. Plus, if you can just examine the day-to-day, even though it's not a competition, but like if you're a retired couple and you're not working and you're not taking care of kids, then it's probably easier for you to reach out than it is for the mom of four kids doing homeschool and working and all of those things to have time to reach out to you. So something to think about. I am doing therapy and I would love it if you would also do therapy, you know, to work through your grief and figure out how to grieve and to support us all in healthy ways, as well as where to look and what kind of support you need. Ooh, Taking responsibility for your own mental health is key. Yes. Maybe a lot of people that are uh, in a certain generation maybe aren't as used to that being commonplace like our generation is, but it's so helpful. And again, this kind of goes back to the less responsibility and burden you can place on the widow, the better. And just take care of your own mental health. Yay, mental health. Um, I think a lot of times there is this situation that happens where... The in-laws are looking for support from the widow. They want to talk to them and they want to have support from them. But there's this theory, um, it's like the concentric circles of grief. And I've talked about it um, before, but I'm going to mention it again. But it's just basically that the person who is closest to the loss, which is the surviving spouse and then the children and then the parents and then the brothers and sisters and then the friends and family. And that can change depending on your relationships with different people. But the, the, the idea is that you support inwards and you complain outwards or you look for support from outwards. So the in-laws should not be asking for the widow or the children to be supporting them in their grief. They need to seek help for their grief on the circles that are distant from them. So that means a mental health counselor or friends who are outside of the situation or family members who are further outside of the situation. Did that make sense? Anita for the win. Yes. Actually, my sister-in-law, Danielle, for introducing me to that concept. It's very, very helpful. Please remember important dates, birthdays, anniversaries, death dates. It really means a lot to be remembered. Those days can be especially hard. I'm actually a little bit surprised about this one because... It's kind of common sense, isn't it? Yeah, but we heard from several people that their in-laws don't even acknowledge important dates to them and it hurts them so much. So maybe like a card or even a text or a phone call or something to just say, we know. Happy anniversary, then say something nice or sad anniversary. Or happy sad birthday. And put a $2 bill in the card, too, because then that's like, they can get themselves something nice. What about a Sacagawea? Dollar. Gold coin. Yes. That's what the tooth fairy brings at our house. Okay, I have a story about this. This is the best. I have a story, too. You're going to love this. Okay, so when those came out, my mom was telling me about them, and she goes, it's so cool. They have these new gold coins, and they have Sasquatch on them. What? <laughs> I was like, what? This is my dream. Anyway. Close. It wasn't Sasquatch. It was Sacagawea. What if they did that? 
Okay, for those who are not in our country, <laughs> Sacagawea is a Native American lady, and she they started making gold coins with her on there because she was kind of, like, important in our history. Do you like how I just said kind of like? More important than Sasquatch. Okay, here's my version of that story. When uh, my daughter, when she lost her first tooth, my father-in-law is a coin collector. So my husband had some coins that he had been gifted over the years in his General Lee piggy bank. So when she lost her first tooth, he was so excited, he went and got a coin out of his piggy bank that his dad had given him, and we gave it to our daughter. I mean, the tooth fairy gave it to her. Anyway... We were laughing about that, and we told my father-in-law, and he's like, you gave her what? And we're like, oh, we gave her a John F. Kennedy silver dollar. And he's like, that's worth $70. And we were like, holy crap, no idea, because they're actually made of silver that they were worth that much. So she's like, oh, I lost it. And then we're like, no. But she found it. And then we were like, hey, do you want to trade that old-looking coin for this shiny gold one? And she was like, yeah. So that's how we started giving away the Sacagawea gold coins. I mean, the tooth fairy. She almost I know. made bank. Totally. Okay. That was that, that was, was an important, important aside. Okay. Uh, it's my job to move forward in the best way I know how, and I have to do that how it feels right to me. This includes how I choose to be a parent, how to spend money, where we live, and how we prioritize our time. Boom. I, Yes. I think that you have to take responsibility for what you're going to do. And I think sometimes we get grief for that. Not grief. We get judged for that. How we decide to live our life. And that's our job. That's our role. What are we supposed to do? Ask for your permission? Do what you think is best for us? I don't know. But no. I like how on a previous episode, Anita, you likened the rebuilding of a widow's life unto a house. A house that was demolished and then you are going to rebuild. And you said... Are you going to rebuild the same 1983-style house that you had or a cooler one with a slide? So what if you're even actually just remodeling a house? If any of you have done that before, you know you have people come over that are your friends that want to see what's happening and they look at your choices and they're like, I wouldn't do that. Why would you have white tile there? Why would you get that color of grout? Why would you do this? Why would you do that? Well, you missed the point. You should have done this here. And it's like, okay, first of all, did you know that that thing you think I should do is an extra (laughs) $350,000? So no, you don't ever know anybody's reasons why. And also, we're trying to figure out what works best for us. So shifting from the house scenario to actually rebuilding our lives, think about that. You would be offended if somebody said it about something as kind of mundane as building a house versus somebody's actual life that's theirs and it's very personal. So it's just kind of good to keep perspective with that. I yeah, think. I I agree. It's so hard because especially like in parenting, I think there's a little bit of this tension anyway in the in-laws, in-law situation because, again, you're melding two different, you know, punishment styles or how you do a lot of the getting your kids to do what they need to do. So um, I think there's a feeling of that in general. And then, again, you've lost the buffer. And one thing that one thing that I like, too, and I use this in – in my creativity kind of side of how I do my job or how I approach life, it's really helpful to, when you see something that you think is a problem, instead of thinking, well, this doesn't work for me, think of, well, how can I make this work? Okay, so Anita is going to move to Australia to be with Liz. So instead of me being like, no, you can't do that. That's so stupid. It's like, oh, well, how are we going to make this work? Can we widow wife from afar? Can we still talk to each other? Like, Find a different solution. 
it doesn't have to be set in stone and there's not just one solution for every every situation i'm gonna ship you a kangaroo and some tim tam what if i want a koala i think you, i can't ship those i don't <sighs> think they get shipped. well i think they're actually not very cuddly i've heard that they look like it but they're not liz are they and can how much does it cost to ship a kangaroo okay we're on to our last one every widow widows differently i'm not your aunt or your neighbor or your friend from church i'm widowing the best way i know how i think this sums up all of these yes like if you want to dye your hair crazy colors for the rest of your life it's fine <laughs> it's fine yep we're just doing the best that we can with what we've got and we're different and we have different priorities and yeah just give us some give us some leeway to do the best that we can and it's an opportunity to learn a new way that somebody else might have a different idea that you can incorporate so it's not a bad thing it's yeah. just like an experiment like science and like science but maybe we should widow like their friend the widow and we should only wear black and we should get one of those head things and we should do all the other things that you're supposed to do when you're a widow. I don't go to the cemetery often and sit down and do those things, but you do. And guess what? It's cool. And we're friends and fake wives. Yeah. Nobody died. Oh, wait, they did. Hey, widows, way to widow the best way that you know how to widow. And don't let anybody tell you you're widowing wrong because they're, they're wrong. Because that's like not a thing. There's no such thing. It's not a thing not a thing okay um thank you so much to the people who jumped right in and recorded our different widow what i want my in-laws to know and once again whatever they read were not the words that they wrote so i'm sure that everybody has different issues with their in-laws and those not everybody has all of those obviously if you find this episode to be beneficial and you know somebody in your life that would benefit, please share it with them. And maybe share it with your in-laws and tell them that the things in here are not necessarily your thoughts, but that some of them might be applicable to your situation. And then maybe it will open a conversation. And guess what, guys? I'm so excited because we're going to follow this episode up with another episode with professional help. So really quickly... Thank you to Liz, Christine, the other Karen from Canada, Emily, Kathy, Karen from Canada, Ileana, Barb, David, Isabel, Aaron, Diana, Phyllis, Hillary, and Brittany for helping us out with our episode today. Thanks, you guys. Speaking of our Widow Wives Club on Facebook, please join. We are getting even more Karens, like actual people named Karen, not the meme Karen. <laughs> These are the awesome Karens. Karens. And we got the the lady whose name is Melanie Anita. I know. What you guys. in the world? I can't believe it. What are the chances? What are the chances? Her, that her first name is Melanie. Her middle name is Anita. We are almost up to 100 people in our Widow Wives Club. I kind of think we need to send our 100th Widow Wife a prize. Ooh. Wouldn't that be fun? Yep. Calling all widows, yearning to breathe free. Please submit your request to be in the Widow Wives Facebook Club. And we will have a special prize for whoever is the 100th member. Speaking of which, we are almost to our one year anniversary of our podcast now. What's the date? October 10th is our one year anniversary. What should we do? Guys, 
Send us your ideas on what we should do for our 100th anniversary. Wait. Not our 100th. <laughs> our first. Ah! My brain. <laughs> we would be super old, but maybe we'll still be going. If our Patreon is strong enough, we'll be like, I'm 140. And then we will be old widows. Send us uh, your ideas for our celebration of our one year podcast anniversary. If you're not in the Widow Wives Club and you are not a widow, you can email it to widowwedonow at gmail.com or you can send us a message on our regular Widow We Do Now Facebook page. And if you are in the Widow Wives Club, post, comment, send us a message like you usually do and we can get submissions that way. We love you all. We are having such a good time joining this community together. We were talking about how it's hard for our podcast to kind of get shared um, because most of us don't know a lot of other young widows. And so we're making this community for ourselves that you might not have otherwise. So we're super excited that we get to be doing that with you because we like you. You're so fun and traumatized, just like us. <laughs> so fun and traumatized. And thanks for not judging us, even when we wear things like what I'm wearing today, which you cannot see, but Anita can. It is the three wolves howling at the moon and some amazing cat leggings with wow. yellow eyes. And are those tongues? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm just wearing a boring t-shirt. We hope that you guys have found this episode helpful. Please, please, please share the podcast with people that this might be helpful for. And join us next week when we do a follow-up to this with an expert. I'm Anita. I'm Mel. And we're just two young widows who are awesome and traumatized. And wearing cat leggings. Trying to figure out. Widow, widow we do now. We do now. Sponsorship. Meow Mix. This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me, what well, is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month. It blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks. And so you don't have to pay extra for that. And you still get great service. Yep. Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it. And my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan, which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not, who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind of the best. So. If somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita? Go to trymintmobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money. And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's trymintmobile.com slash WWDN.